Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays. Back from a little summer break. It's been a little over a month since we've posted a podcast. Also, I don't have the proper connections for my Shure SM7B. So you are actually listening to the audio from a Rode Wireless Go 2 and a lav mic that's running up my mic stand and gaff taped to my Shure SM7B. Quite hilarious, uh, if I do say so myself. That's how we do it. We do it scrappy. We do it well. We do it professionally, but also scrappy. Um, How was your summer, guys? Summer is officially over because pumpkin spice lattes are back. Am I right? Anybody? Anybody picking up your pumpkin spice lattes yet? I got one. um, It feels a little odd to get it already so early. Um, It's only September, but it's happening. Let's start off with talking about some of the things that I've been doing over the last couple of months and in the last month in particular. Um, I Part of the reason why I haven't been able to post uh, this month and this will change starting now, we're posting again every single Tuesday on the Golden Hour Show. Um, one of the reasons was I got really, really busy with my job. Uh, I work, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I don't know if I've ever actually said it, but I do work with my cousins, Amy and Jordan Demos. They are wedding photography educators. We'll pull their website up right now. If you're watching the video, you can see their lovely site. Now, I'm going to be honest, I would have to say that the majority of our listeners here uh, may not be their target demographic. I know this probably for a fact. Um, You know, let's just say they serve kind of that middle-aged stay-at-home mom type of audience. Um, Now, if you are a middle-aged stay-at-home mom uh, and you listen to this show, I hope you don't take any offense to that. In fact, I I welcome you. I am grateful that you are here. Um, I just have a a guess that the majority of our listeners are not uh, that demographic. However, my cousins, Amy and Jordan, Amy, uh, the girl is my actual blood cousin. Her husband, Jordan, and her have have created a very successful education business. I started working for them a couple months ago. They're the reason why I have the C70. Um, They're the reason why I moved back to Nashville. Um, And it's been a real joy to work with family. uh, It's been a change of pace to work with family, honestly, having people that really, truly care about me and my family and and my wife. Um, I'm here on Amy's uh, Instagram account. If you guys are interested in hearing a conversation with them, maybe they would be down to be on the show. They have run a very successful business um, doing photography education, and uh, yeah, it's just been really interesting to get involved in their content, um, making this new product that they're calling On Location. Um, It kind of comes and goes. They sold it for a couple of days. Uh, It's now gone. They're going to probably bring it back at some point, Uh, but you can see here. This is a little promo like I your made. next session, your best session. Your best session. We have something we're really excited to share so with you. Excited. It's called On Location, and it is by far our most it's... dynamic educational experience yet. We're Amy and Jordan. Amy, Jordan. For the first time ever. So yeah, it's, you can it's Amy us. and Jordan going on location, shooting stuff. I follow them around. 
uh, for like seven, 10 hours at a time filming them working. And uh, then I put that together and make a course out of it. Uh, it was a lot of fun to make this project. We got to travel a lot, got to go to Charleston, New York City, Arizona, which is where they're from. Um, we have a couple other shoots coming up as well that I'm real excited about. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say other than it's been a really kind of humbling, but also inspiring and different chapter in my life going from being YouTuber a full-time YouTuber and host of Indie Mogul to uh, kind of being behind the camera again, uh, but in a more directorial standpoint and in a more creative director standpoint that I've ever had, um, they really are leaning on me for almost all of the creative direction, which has been really fulfilling. And I've also learned a lot. I think um, getting back into this world of working with clients, um, it's just you know, it's just reignited a, a passion for filmmaking and for editing and shooting that I, um, I don't, I don't say I, I lost it when I was doing YouTube. It's just different. It's different when you're trying to please an algorithm or you're trying to make videos specifically for the YouTube system, um, rather than just, you know, making a good product, making a high quality, uh, product and spending more time on things, uh, than I, you know, than I have in a couple, in several years. I mean, honestly, the YouTube videos um, kind of have a certain level of quality that's acceptable, and once you get there, just move on. And with the product pro products I've worked on with Amy and Jordan, I've been able to kind of perfect them and make them as good as I possibly can. One of the things that I'm really proud of is the um, the lighting setup. One of the things that I'm really proud of with Amy and Jordan is their studio setup. Uh, if you're watching the video, then you can see what I'm talking about. But if you're listening, uh, basically it was two subjects behind a desk. Um, and I've always had trouble, you know, lighting two people. It's, it's easy enough to light one person for an interview. But when you have two people... Uh, it can get a little more challenging. So, uh, and both of these subjects are looking dead into the lens of the camera. Uh, so it's not like a traditional interview setup. So I got a softbox, uh, the Lantern softbox from Aperture, the 120D2. Um, and that is like dead center. It's like right above the camera. And like I said, uh, majority of the audience is, you know, kind of 30-something, middle-age-ish women. Uh, so we wanted it to just look very bright, airy, and clean. Um, so we have the light dead center, and it's got the, you know, the lantern softbox. And to fill in the shadow on the left-hand side of the image, you know, for Jordan, who's on the left, and then Amy, who's on the right, I had two quasars. Uh, those things are so great. I'm sure you guys have heard about them. Um, they've been around forever. Uh, they are very popular and lots of people have now since copied them, but I just, I just wanted to go with the, the real deal, the quasars. Um, they're really cheap. They're like 40 bucks for the ones that I got 45 bucks for the, uh, the quasar science Q15 T8 dimmable 5600 linear LED lamp. It's a two footer. These lights are really high quality in terms of the color accuracy, high CRI rating. Um, they're small and I just gaff taped them to stands and those are like my fill lights uh, that are off to the side. And then I got the bicolor Quasar Science lights. Uh, they're, by, they're $150. 
but it gives me the ability to go to 3200 or 5600. Those are set up as hair lights in the back and that really made the whole thing pop. Uh, you can kind of see a behind the scenes picture here that I'll put on the screen and then there's the actual shot. Really proud of it, I'll see 70. Um, but I found editing these three hour courses was extremely exhausting. So I decided to uh, talk to Amy and Jordan about getting the ATEM Mini uh, and in particular, the ATEM Mini uh, Extreme ISO. If you're not familiar with the ATEM Mini series, then you really should check it out. Uh, in particular, the ISO versions. There's an Extreme and then there's just the standard Mini uh, ISO. Basically, the Extreme gives you eight HDMI inputs and the standard Mini gives you four. The Extreme also gives you a couple extra buttons and, and things, um, like having buttons for macros, which allows you to customize certain things with it. Um, to me, the Extreme ISO was worth it to get the extra inputs because we were doing six inputs. Or no, actually, I think we're only doing five, which, you know, it seems a little excessive to get the eight HDMI unit when we only actually need five but I mean, we need five and the mini standard only has four. So it is what it is. But the reason that the ISO version, I don't know how you say it, ISO? I think, I think it's, it's not ISO like your camera lens, lens, your camera does. Um, this is, is an input recording uh, version of the ATEM Mini. Now the ATEM Mini in general is, is a wonderful product. It's affordable for what it is. Allows you to input up to four, or in this case with the Extreme, up to eight HDMI inputs. It can then output uh, a USB to your computer and it actually functions as if it's a webcam. So you can use a multicam switcher for live streaming, you can record that stream, you, you know, you can record that uh, USB output uh, in OBS. Um, and people use that all the time for YouTube, for uh, Twitch streaming, um, even if you're doing like a live show or something like that, it, it can come in handy. And Blackmagic has some incredible software to go along with it. But the thing that was so interesting to me about the Extreme ISO is the fact that I can essentially do a live edit and it saves every single cut and it creates a DaVinci Resolve project from that uh, recording. So you basically plug in a, any old hard drive. I have a bunch of old SSDs um, that I'm using. You plug it into the Extreme ISO or the Mini ISO and you hit record and you do your live stream and you're able to do... Um, as many switches as you want. You can do these macros where you, you could basically zoom in on the image um, and, and kind of bake that in or the picture-in-picture -picture options where maybe you're talking about, you know, in this case where I'm talking about the screen, I'm doing a picture-in-picture, -picture, but this is in post. I'm up until now with uh, the Golden Hour show, I had to do all that in post-production, which is really time-consuming. Being able to actually have picture-in-picture -picture baked in is incredible. Obviously for live streaming or for just a quick turnaround, maybe a podcast or something. But what I loved about this for the way that I'm shooting these three to four hour long courses is I can have my main camera shot, my zoomed in shot on Amy, my zoomed in shot on Jordan. I have my computer screen, which is what they're reacting to. Um, I film them on location shooting a, a session and then they react to it and kind of give their input. 
And so I want a picture-in-picture ability on the laptop screen that they're looking at. And then we just added a new feature where I have my iPad Pro uh, with Keynote and all the photos that Amy took on Keynote. And she can actually draw on it and like use the pen uh, tool, well, the Apple Pencil, to draw on the screen and say, hey, look right here, you know, you can see how the light was affecting the image here, or you can see here, or whatever. And it's just been so valuable to be able to do this live switch. Otherwise, I'm just sitting there recording on all these devices. I'm just sitting there making sure everything's recording. Also, things never line up perfectly and having time code on everything isn't possible all the time. So having every single input going into this box and when I hit record, it starts recording on every single thing. It saves the entire file. Uh, it has also has two mic inputs. So I'm able to input my uh, Rode Wireless Goes, which is what I'm using for audio on Amy and Jordan. It saves everything as full recordings, just full 1080p. Unfortunately, it's only 1080p. That's maybe the caveat that I should have led with. But for this type of stuff, it's totally fine. Um, records, you know, until you hit stop, it just records or until the, the drive fills up. But every single edit that you make is saved in a DaVinci Resolve file. You open up the file and no fear if you're a Final Cut or Premiere editor, uh, because Resolve has really great XML support. So I was able to go into Resolve, look at some things, maybe even make a few tweaks and changes in Resolve because that is where the native kind of project lives. And then I XML it over to Final Cut. Now, unfortunately, uh, it's not a multicam. So if you use a uh, multicam switcher in your uh, editing software, uh, that unfortunately does not transfer over. Um, it's really just basically every single shot is, you know, a full take of the whole recording. And then every cut you make is just as if you placed that clip there. Um, so you're able to use the slip tool and change the timing. And if you, you know, lift that clip out of the project, um, you can delete it and, uh, slip something over. Or, uh, you know, if you really wanted to, you could sync up. Uh, each shot individually, maybe make your own multicam and have it on top of the edited layer uh, as a backup in case you need it or something. But I'm still kind of figuring out all the kinks with it. It's not perfect by any means, but man, it is saving me so much time. It would take me like two weeks to edit these projects because they're so involved. There's so many things with doing the picture in picture with showing the computer screen and having failures with ScreenFlow, which is the app that I use to record the screen. I mean, I still don't trust ScreenFlow even to this day. That's why I have um, my Rode Wireless Go is literally sitting on a Gorillapod just right above the speaker of my laptop uh, because I don't trust ScreenFlow to record uh, properly. So anyways, I've really enjoyed the A10 Mini Extreme ISO. Uh, I highly recommend it if you're in any type of production where you're doing multicam editing. Um, it really saves you just an ungodly amount of time. And we're talking almost a full day's worth of editing, you know, eight to 10 hours of editing you could potentially save by using this, which is a lifesaver. The twelve, you know, the $1,200 uh, rate for the product is going to pay for itself. Um, if this is the type of work that you do, because you're literally saving days of work. So really cool product. Um, 
the fact that you it has the ISO mode, the input recording mode, that's the game changer. And then obviously it still is a great streaming device if you if you do live streaming. So so yeah, I'm gonna start using the ATEM uh, Mini Extreme ISO for this show. Um, Amy and Jordan uh, have it at the, their studio for now, but I may set up some of my cameras in here. And then that way, all I have to do is just bring that in here, turn it on, and, and use it for this show. I think that'd be a lot of fun. So um, anyways, that's kind of what I've been working on. That's what I've been doing these last couple of weeks. It's been a crazy couple of weeks uh, with work, with all that, launching this big course and everything. So um, things are back to normal again, and uh, this show is absolutely back. We have some incredible guests lined up. Um, I'm going to give you a little tease for uh, one of the next shows that I, I have to, I still have to nail down a booking on, but I'm going to give you a little tease. It's with a guy named Ricky Rocket, who is the drummer, the founder of the band and the current drummer of Poison. That's right. <laughs> the band Poison. It's a really funny story. Uh, Ricky sent me a message and said that he's a fan of my stuff. Um, and he said he would love to do a podcast and I just get a kick out of the fact that the drummer for poison is a fan and he wants to be on the show. He may even be listening now. So Ricky, we are really looking forward to having you on the show. Um, yes, poison Brett Michaels band. Yes, that is the band. Um, here's a picture of Ricky with the crew, uh, quite that's Ricky on the end there. Quite hilarious. Uh, the, the worlds have collided as such, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's definitely not, you know, your typical guest on this show. We have a lot of filmmakers and creators, but um, what's interesting about Ricky is that he has gotten into YouTube recently. He's a motorcycle guy. He loves to travel. He loves to do all sorts of different things. And so he has been experimenting with YouTube and playing around with YouTube. So I'm sure we'll talk about that with his filmmaking as well. But, I mean, obviously, he's the drummer of Poison, so I am really thrilled and excited to talk to him about rock and roll and uh, what it's like to be a legit rock star. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, it's it, who knows what can happen, guys? You you start making videos on the internet and, uh, and things happen. So, very cool uh, show that will be coming up. Also, I want to remind you guys, if you haven't listened to the interview with my dad, Rick Altizer, it was a couple episodes ago, we talk about a film that he made uh, with Sony Pictures and the Kendrick Brothers. It's a feature-length documentary that's actually going to be in theaters this week, um, the week that this show is going live, September 10th. Uh, it will be live in a theater near you if, you, if you're in America. Um Th a couple thousand theaters across the country are playing it. Um, this is a real, you know, actually in movie theaters for a couple of weeks type of thing. Sony has put up a ton of money behind this project. I think my dad said the uh, Facebook trailer has over 3 million views now. Um, the film is called Show Me the Father. And you can find information about the film on showmethefathermovie.com. This, again, is my dad. This is my dad's movie. He's a director. Um, you can get the full story on the previous episode with my dad. Legitimately one of my favorite interviews ever. Uh, again, Ricky Rocket, I'm sure, is going to be awesome. But my dad definitely takes the cake for being the best guest I've ever had. Sorry, everybody else. He's my dad. Um, 
in theaters September 10th from the creators of War Room and Courageous, the Kendrick brothers, um, Show Me the Father. They produced the film. Uh, they're the executive producers. My dad directed it. He essentially shot it with some of my buddies, uh, John Melton and Dave Oglesby. Those are some of my old guys from uh, the Ramsey crew. They're now freelance. Uh, and they did all the shooting. I was living in California when my dad shot this film. Otherwise, maybe I would have had a part in it. There's actually like one or two shots in the the film that are shot by me. Um, it's actually a shot of Jordan with his daughter. Uh, you may see it in there. So yes, if you are a fan of Kendrick Brothers, or if you're just a fan of the Golden Hour Podcast or Dave Mays in general... Would you please consider going to see Show Me the Father, bring your dad, bring your parents, bring a friend. Um, It's one of those movies that regardless of what you believe, uh, it's really powerful because everybody has a fatherhood story, whether you have had a father who's been present in your life, who is a good father or somebody who just really wasn't. And this film explores all of that and the miracles uh, that can happen with having, you know, a healthy father connection, whether it's a true father, heavenly father, or friend father. So, um, also there's some crazy twists and turns in this film. Um, some NFL stars are in this thing. Uh, really well shot. It was all shot on the Black Magic Pocket Cinema Cameras 4K. I wonder who gave my dad that suggestion. Uh, no, he was he was asking what cameras he should shoot on. Uh, at the time, and they had a limited budget, and uh, I was like, Black Magic, all the way, because you can plug it in. He loved it. He shot ProRes, went straight to the SSD, uh, you know, the Samsung SSDs or whatever, but anyways, I'm going off the rails here. Please, go see Show Me the Father. If you remember that episode, you remember us talking about it. Well, that was like two months ago. Here we are now. The time has come. The film is coming out this weekend. Showmethefathermovie.com. Go check it out. This uh, There's a trailer there. You can watch the trailer uh, and kind of see what this film's all about. Um, so yeah, go check it out. Show Me the Father. My, my dad's movie. <laughs> um. All right, so let's get started with some news today. Um, a lot of things happened in a month. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is, you probably guessed it, the Red V Raptor 8K VistaVision coming in at $24,000. But this is kind of the next step for Red. Um, it looks a lot like a Komodo. But it's not. This thing is an 8K full-frame camera. That's right. VistaVision quality. 35.4 megapixel full-frame sensor. Lightweight and compact design. Very similar to a Komodo. Honestly, you would probably not be teased if you thought it was the Komodo. It's definitely a little chunkier, a little bigger. Um, And it's certainly a lot more expensive. I think the Komodo starts at 6000 this one's at 24000 so it's quite a jump up. However, in the cinema world, if we're talking about the Arri Alexa and the previous Red Epic cameras, this is a great deal for what you're getting. 8K full-frame quality, Canon RF lenses, just like the Komodo, CF Express Type-B support, up to 8K at 120 frames per second. 6K Super 35 and 4K 240. Oh, sorry, 6K 
198 frames per second in the Super 35 mode and 4K at 240 frames per second. So this will be a pretty killer uh, high-speed camera, similar to other RED cameras, of course. 17-plus stops of dynamic range. Uh, touch monitor, right-side assistance, user interface, RED code, RAW, HQ, MQ, and LQ options. So this is similar to the Komodo with their newer kind of RED code uh, formats. And it's coming in white, like always. Um, so yeah, let's take a look at this video. Dude, this video is so epic. Stormtrooper colorway, I love it. Cool. Okay, that was just like a really cool animation uh, video of the camera. Nice. Uh, let's take a look at what we got here. We got SDI 1, SDI 2, so that's cool. Two outputs. Um, an audio interface, so maybe there'll be like little boxes that you could use to get, uh, you know, some nice audio in there, um, which has always been a struggle for uh, RED, obviously. I would assume that this thing has the similar kind of autofocus system that is still kind of in beta for them. Uh, we have to watch this one, though. This is a a short video with Jason Momoa shooting on it. This guy has kind of become the modern day like Red Evangelist, and he's such a celebrity. Um, huge win for Red, but you know he's Jason Momoa, so I, I don't know if we should be taking camera advice from him. But I mean, he's pretty cool. <laughs> oh man. What? <laughs> what? Hold on, hold on. Nobody on the planet knows about this yet. Shit, man. View. Oh, oh, man! <laughs> okay, this guy's kind of going a little crazy. Uh, it's probably because he's an actor and he's playing it up. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He's stoked. Uh, but I don't think he knows... I don't think he knows what it is. He just saw a white camera. He doesn't know it's Fist Division yet. That's amazing. <laughs> okay, looks like Small HD has done a partnership with Red. They were already doing some Small HD monitors. Yeah, so look at this. So this is their new Red monitor. You can see how the cable is integrated with the mount. But I see a nice old big chunky small HD logo there. So that's cool. They're doing a little partnership with uh, small HD with an official RED monitor. Um, they were already sort of doing that with the Komodo, but looks like the partnership has become official because um, they're going to be selling this with the camera. Yeah, look at that. See, it's got the RED camera. I always thought it was so funny. The uh, I don't know if you guys remember... Or, or were a part of the film community back when the, you know, original Red Epic was out. But you'd have, like, a Red Epic, and then you the, the, the monitor was called the 5.0 monitor, or the 7.0, or whatever. 
because uh, of seven inches, five inches, right? And so red always just is is like completely they they're unabashedly just plastering their logos on everything, and it's kind of gaudy to be honest. But hey, it's red. Uh, and they put red 5.0 on the monitor. And so every time you'd be doing a shoot because the client is looking at the monitor, the back of the monitor or the talent, um, it's like, Oh, is that the old, is that the red 5.0? And it's like, no, 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 that's just the monitor. (laughs) I always thought that was so funny. Um, just because I, I don't know, it was kind of a missed opportunity. They should just plaster red epic on there but yeah every time i would shoot with the red epic and somebody was seeing it it was just like oh is that the red pro 5.0 no dude it's not stop trying to be cool (laughs) anyways Slow-mo with his son. I like that. <laughs> of course his son's like got super long hair, shooting bow and arrows in the backyard. It's super cool. So here's here's something that I think is hilarious. And I've I've fallen victim to this myself. <sighs> shooting like this, and this is Jason Momoa holding the red uh, in his hands with no rig whatsoever. Now it looks it looks really clean. It looks sexy, and I like to think that this is a good way to shoot. It really isn't. I do it all the time with my C70, but you gotta have something. You gotta have a monopod. You gotta have a gimbal. You gotta have an easy rig. Uh, it it's just not. Well, I don't know. If you got arms like a tank, like this guy, um, maybe you can get away with it. So maybe that's the difference. Is Jason Momoa actually works out, and I don't. Um, this video told me nothing. It showed me nothing. It was just Jason Momoa freaking out about a camera that he probably didn't really know about. Um, it's still really cool. Uh, I'm excited to hear more about it. I can't wait to get my hands on one and potentially do some, uh, tests, but this will be out of most people's price range. I mean, $25,000 now we've, we've now gone beyond the kind of accessible for most people, uh, stage. Now, this will be a cheap camera to rent um, for professional shoots, and that's probably where this will get a lot of work. This, if it's as good as I would expect an 8K VistaVision Red to be, um, this may become a staple in Hollywood and in the higher-end thing uh, world of things, which would also be revolutionary because $25,000 in that world is actually extremely cheap. Um you know, the RE setup can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, so to get an 8K VistaVision, which, by the way, VistaVision is kind of like cinema term. Uh, it, it comes from VistaVision film, which was like 70 millimeter, which is close to your standard full frame of what you know uh, as a, you know, coming from the DSLR hybrid world. Uh, VistaVision basically just means full frame, but it sounds cooler because it's more Hollywood. So, yeah, very cool from Red. I'm excited to see it. I'm sure the low light will be great uh, with that bigger sensor. Um, I'm sure the colors will be great. That's what I love about Red is their their color science has gotten so good and it's so distinct and so beautiful. 
Um, I'm good friends with David Amell, who works with uh, Marquez Brownlee. And I was in New York actually shooting it on location, and I got to have lunch with David. And he was a guest on the podcast, too. Um, David uh, has been working there now for a while when I interviewed him on this show. Uh, he was just about to begin his job. But uh, I was talking about the red and he was and why, you know, why Marquez uses the red. And he said it's all color science. They really love the color out of the red. And it's just unique enough to where it really stands out and has a beautiful look on YouTube um, that most people don't get. And I feel that to be completely true and valid. Uh, when I shot even with the Komodo, I found the color to just be fabulous. And if I had a choice, I would go Komodo over the C70. I just feel like the C70 is just a workhorse tool. I'm able to shoot this podcast with it. Trust that the autofocus is working. I'm shooting like a lower res file that I know will take up no space and be super easy to edit on a laptop. And, uh, you know, different tools for different jobs. But this new Red Raptor, go check it out online. Uh, some really cool um, stuff coming out from Red. So uh, everybody loves Red, right? <clears throat> Next thing I want to talk about is this hilarious uh, fan <laughs> that's made for the EOS R5. If you're not familiar, the R5 from Canon uh, overheats like crazy. You're not really able to record continuously in 8K uh, or even in the high-quality 4K mode for very long. And it's something that they marketed as like a real feature and some people even bought it for that and then they got burned by the fact that the camera would only record for like 20 minutes and then you have to wait 30 minutes before you can record again, which is ridiculous. So Tilta tried to fix it with a fan based on this really fabulous review on newsshooter.com, which I highly recommend you check out. Um, it definitely does change things here. You can see some of these pictures of it. It screws onto the cage that they sell, or you could also screw it into a little Arca Swiss plate that comes with it. You have to power it with a little battery grip from Tilta, or if you have a V-Lock battery, you could use that or something. Um, it is kind of hilarious that you, you have to drill, you know, screw a fan on the camera to use it properly, but Hey, it's, it's a thing that you can do. So without the cooling unit, when you're shooting 8k, um, you get 25 or 21 minutes of recording, uh, with the cooling unit, you can get 40 and they repeated that three other times and it continued to be true around 20 minutes uh, each recording time without the cooling unit and 41 minutes uh, for each recording time with a cooling fan. So that's already double. That's great. That's not a ton of time, but it is better. Um, if you plug in the camera over like an input voltage of eight volts. So I guess if you're using like a dummy battery or something and you're powering the camera, uh, without the cooling unit, you're still only getting 23, 21 minutes. But with the cooling unit, now it jumps dramatically up to 78 minutes. Um, now, is this like a realistic thing for you to do? I guess like if you're using an R5 and you're doing long takes and you need long takes, this could be a good, a good option for you. Um, I would imagine that if you shot 4K and not 8K, it would be even better performance. But... I just wouldn't invest in anything like this, especially when we have heard rumors of Canon doing an R5C, uh, hopefully next year. 
Um, so we're still kind of waiting on Canon to do the next like real true video hybrid camera that is kind of competing with the A7S three. I think it's a little too late. I think they were banking on the R5 to be that. And then the A7S three came out and just completely slaughtered it. If you bought an A7S three in the last year, uh, please comment down below. Let me know your thoughts. I feel like it's been finished. Like at this point, Sony has pretty much transitioned everybody over. Um, I mean, even I think Jesse Driftwood bought the C70 and ended up just switching to the A7S three. I think the only person left on Canon is Peter McKinnon at this point. <laughs> and, you know, he's Peter McKinnon, so I guess that's why. But it would be a big deal if he switched. Um, and Sony, I'm sure, would give him a lot of exposure if he did. Uh, it would probably benefit his career to do so, honestly. Because um, almost, all, almost all of his friends shoot on the A7S three at this point. Um and most uh, most people I've talked to have said either Blackmagic 6K Pro or uh, A7S III. Nobody's really, like, the GH6 is still coming, but at this point, I don't think Micro Four Thirds is really worth it, um, especially if you consider that the GH6 will probably cost close to how much an A7S III costs. And at that point, just get the A7S III. The whole Sony color thing is finished. They've completely solved that issue. The color on Sony cameras is amazing. The Venice cameras have gotten so good. And the uh, cinema profiles that they've created for the Venice, which are really high quality uh, cinema cameras, have trickled down to the A7S III and the FX3, which is just a version of the A7S III. And the FX6 and, you know, these other smaller cinema cameras, they've really just nailed it. Uh, the autofocus is perfect. The full frame sensor is amazing. The IBIS stabilization is great. The lens selection is way better than any other mirrorless system out there right now. Um, the color is fixed. The low light is incredible. The e the EVF is great. Like you can't really fault the A7S III. It's really just a, you know, if you just don't, if you just simply don't like Sony, you know, you prefer another manufacturer for handling reasons or, you know, you already own a bunch of lenses. I would argue that, you know, if you prefer the look of a certain sensor, or, you know, you prefer Canon over Sony for their look. I would argue that Sony has gotten so good now that you could get very close to a Canon look. And in a way, I feel like Canon has regressed a bit. Um, the 5D4 and the 1DC, which is sitting on my desk here, had a very filmic look to it that you couldn't really get with any other camera. And now I feel like the modern Canon look is just very modern and very similar to a Sony look. Um, even the C70, um, I really love the skin tones and the look on this, but I know I could get a very similar image uh, from the Sony A7S III or the FX6 or whatever. The only reason I got this is for um, compatibility with EF lenses, which uh, Amy and Jordan own a whole slew of. So um, anyways, very interesting stuff from Tilta. I don't think anybody's going to buy this, but it's there if you want it. If, if you are that small niche of people who need a fan for your R5 to get a little bit longer record time. Um, 
And then lastly on our news talk and rumors is the iPhone 13. Now I've been using the iPhone 12 Pro Max for the last, you know, almost year now. Uh, that was one of the big videos that we did for Indie Mogul. Um, what was the one that we did? It was the, oh, of course, the game show. So I, yeah, I took the iPhone 12 Pro Max, used the Filmic Pro app, got um, iJustine and Armando to come and hang out, and we did this funny competition where I shot stuff on the Alexa, I shot stuff on the iPhone, and we compared it side by side. Uh, really fun, you know, silly video. Um, was really surprised, honestly, with what I could come up with with the Alexa. Like, honestly, this shot here that you're looking at on the video, like, I couldn't believe it. Like, honestly, I don't even remember which one's which in this case. I mean, obviously, I was shooting it purposely in the iPhone strengths. So, you know, for the most part, of course, of course, the Alexa is better than, than the iPhone. Of course, duh. It's like a dummy thing. Of course it is. I was just trying to show the color and how close you can get with color, how much you can push your phone. Um, I, I did everything I possibly could to trick them. Um, I literally like softened the iPhone image a bit. Um, you know, I just kind of did power windows on the, the highlights to try to bring it down. Yeah, so anyways, I'm trying to find... So yeah, watch that video. If you haven't watched it, give it a watch. It was a ton of fun to make. Um, Justine and Armando were so kind to show up and do that one with me. But anyways, the iPhone 12 has been really impressive to me as just like a documentation tool. I still don't see it as a professional video to tool. Um, even though that video was great and amazing... I still am hesitant to whip it out for professional projects for a few reasons, um, and that may change with the 13. Now, you know, there's the portrait mode thing that iPhones have had now for a while, since the 7, 7 Plus, uh, but now they're getting the cinematic video feature, I think is what they're going to call it. Uh, it's basically portrait mode for video. It's going to be really buggy and weird. It, it, you know, Samsung has done this. It's it's software-based blur. Um, you know, the LiDAR helps, but I'm, I guarantee you it's going to look really wonky. It's going to look like what your iPhone looks like when you're in portrait mode, uh, when you're just, like, viewing a display. It'll look like that, probably. So, I don't know. I mean, I would be surprised if it looks really good. There might be situations where it does look really good, like if I'm shooting a product on a table... I'm just doing a slow pan or something, and maybe you could blur the image just slightly to make it look more like a DSLR, but not blur it like crazy, like it's an F1.2 or something. Um, so that would be really cool if that actually works. I have doubts that it will, but that's not the main thing I'm most excited about. The thing that I'm most excited about is this rumor that... The iPhone 13 Pro and the 13 Pro Max models will feature the ability to record ProRes video, a much higher quality video format, similar to how the Pro Raw format for photos is exclusive to 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. German said that ProRes may also be exclusive to the 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max. Um, so yeah, it would be. This is it. it it's kind of silly, like reading these 
uh, articles by people who aren't super video related uh, people. They're just saying like higher resolutions with ProRes. Um, basically, it's going to be bitrate. We're going to be getting from now. Filmic Pro does give us way higher bitrate. Filmic Pro is a great app that's actually available on Android and iPhone. It cranks your bitrate up. Um, I think that that's still like that'll still be great, but having ProRes from the camera itself will be uh, better. Um, because Apple just has the keys to the castle and they're able to uh, unlock things that uh, Filmic Pro just simply can't. I was fortunate enough to meet uh, some of the Filmic Pro people at NAB two years ago and I talked to them about it and they're like, yeah, we basically have to just completely reverse engineer the iPhone and it just takes a lot of work to figure out how to hack into it and to get these higher bit rates because they're just not made for that at all. Um, but this is really fascinating to me because having a real true ProRes format really changes the perception of of the camera on the iPhone. And it may not even be that ProRes native, you know, from Apple is better than the higher bitrate from Filmic Pro. But it's just the kind of optic that like the Pro models and the Max in particular, which will probably still have a bigger sensor than the Pro it's going to start being kind of like, you know, you show up on set with an iPhone and use it as like a wide shot. And it's like, what, what are you doing using an iPhone? It's like, well, this, this shoots ProRes log now. Did you know that? And then like clients and directors would be like, oh, shoot, that's legit. You know, um, I'm sure they're going to have some incredible filmmakers talk about it. I know there's been a couple of filmmakers that have made movies on cameras all, on, on the iPhone 7. Soderbergh, Steven Soderbergh made uh, un, unseen or whatever, uh, you know, on the iPhone. And that's fascinating to me, but there is one issue that I really hope that Apple will address. And my good buddy, um, uh, Michael Tobin talks about it in his video. So I'm going to play his video. It's basically, there's this flicker, this automatic HDR thing that just simply can't be turned off. Um, even with the log mode in Filmic Pro, there's just always this kind of jittery flicker going on. Just watch Michael's video here or listen if you're listening and you can see what I'm talking about. And I can't believe I really, uh, I've, I guess I've noticed before, but I never really stopped to think too much about, which is I set everything up. I locked my exposure, but every time I would like leave the frame and come back, I noticed that it would brighten things up. I'm like, hmm, I noticed this. You know, when I was testing out the Beast Cam app and pretty much every third-party uh, camera app on the iPhone, I've noticed this, is even if you lock in the shutter speed and the ISO, you still will get exposure fluctuations. And so I found this Reddit post from earlier this year, and this is actually a response that a user submitted to Filmic Pro, and this was their direct response. Obviously, you can pause and read the whole thing. But essentially, it's talking about how Apple does not give like the core functionality like straight to the image sensor control to any third party app. And so even if you're using a third party app that has all of these manual settings, there's something called tone mapping, which is something that Apple's video cameras do in their stock camera apps, as well as any other third party app. And it essentially adjusts the exposures of key parts of the image to create better dynamic range. So it will either brighten the highlights or lower the shadows or just up the shadows a little bit. 
So each individual part of the image and in the stock camera app, if you're just the average shooter, that's what gives us such great results most of the time. But if you are trying to shoot something more professional, it is extremely frustrating when you lock in your exposure just to have it still change and slide. And so unfortunately, Filmic has no resolution for this currently. They said they're working on a couple things. So this is a big deal because the fact that ProRes may be included in the 13 leads me to believe that they're going to probably have maybe a pro mode, maybe even a pro app. That'd be cool. Um, it may just be as simple as a button, just like Pro Raw is currently on the 12 Pro Max, where you can just kind of enable it in the camera settings. But basically, what I'm hoping is that you can actually lock your exposure in this tone mapping that Michael Tobin was talking about in his video, just completely goes away. And that's been my biggest hesitation using the iPhone 12 Pro Max, even though I've had this thing and I literally shot a, a wedding this weekend for my good friend, uh, it was a favor, and I needed just like a wide shot, I would have loved to have just pulled out my iPhone, put it on a little tripod mount and use that as just a simple basic wide shot. I don't need any depth of field. Everything needs to be in focus actually. And I want to just be able to trust that the image looks good. It probably would have been fine, you know, for him. He probably wouldn't have even really cared that it was shot on an iPhone. But it would have just drove me crazy to see, you know, the highlights kind of fluttering and going on in the background. And every time I see, you know, every time a new iPhone comes out, um, everybody makes, you know, cinematic videos because, I mean, come on, clickbait. I mean, I'm sort of doing that right now by talking about this. But I am truly interested and fascinated in this new uh, development. Uh, you know, Matty Apoya had a, a great little cinematic that he did when the 12 Pro uh, came out. And I could just see the fluttering going on like all the time uh, in the image. And Michael obviously talked about it. And I feel like that literally that one thing kills it for me as a professional tool. Like the last thing you want is to set your exposure, to set your shot. And then somebody sits down for an interview or or any type of change in the image happens and you just like see the sky start to change exposure and do weird fluttery things. Like that's not what a professional camera does. And if they're calling it the 13 Pro, this next one, in this case, the 12 Pro Max, like why is it not truly pro? So I'm not sure if Apple will allow, you know, this tone mapping thing to be disabled when you go into the ProRes mode uh, built in. But I would hope that Filmic Pro will maybe have access to these things now that ProRes is being added uh, from a native perspective. Apple is enabling high bitrate and high quality recording now. So I'm sure Filmic Pro may be able to tap into that. And maybe we could finally get rid of that tone mapping, which means now we're recording ProRes log on an iPhone with no fluttering or flickering. Like, I feel like at that point, there's really no reason to carry around like a, a ZV-1 or, a, you know, the RX-100 series, those little point and shoot kind of vlogger cameras. I feel like at that point, it's like, if you're a YouTuber, I mean, honestly, if you're already a YouTuber for a niche that doesn't care about the quality of the video, you can already use an iPhone and get away with it and literally make an entire living using this phone as your main video camera. And obviously, TikTok has changed the game completely. I mean, every single big creator 
all of them are shooting on the iPhone. And not only that, they're shooting on the selfie camera, which is a terrible camera. That's another thing that I wish they would address. So many people rely on the selfie camera as their main camera that they're using as a tool, you know, for TikTok or um, social media content. Um, It would be uh, to call a version of the phone the Pro, I would love to have the ability to choose one that has an actual high-quality front-facing camera. Um, but, of course, there's always the option of using your Apple Watch. Um, Apple, I, I've, t- I've talked about this already, uh, phone mount screen or something. I don't know. I, I showed a picture of it the other uh, a couple episodes ago. This is actually a great little accessory and a, a great idea. I saw somebody post about this on Twitter years ago. And, uh, but I mean, it looks like somebody actually made an accessory for it. So you can actually pop your, your Apple watch on the back of your phone screen or your phone. That way you can actually see yourself while you're filming, uh, for vlogs or whatever. Uh, and you can control it. So kind of, kind of silly. Um, but it is a thing. So anyways, iPhone 13 pro, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, I think the event is next week, so uh, I'll be able to follow up next week um, with that information, hopefully. So moving forward with just my career and with this podcast, I need your help and I would love your input. So please comment down below and let me know or you know, reach out to me on Twitter at Dave Mays or Instagram at Dave Mays underscore. Let me know what you want to see on this podcast. I've kind of bounced around with all sorts of different things, doing this completely solo, doing this with Connor and Zach, uh, doing this show with guests. What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing that I do here? And um, trying to find the right balance um, of being able to make this as consistently as possible. And to me, that's once a week, every single Tuesday, which I promise to get back on and do again. And I would love, I I do love having guests on the show. Like at one point I was like, I'm only going to do it by myself. Uh, And then it was like, well, it'd be nice if I had a co-host. So Connor helped me out, but then it was just too hard to schedule that with Connor. So um, then it was like, okay, let me get guests on, but it's always almost next to impossible lining, you know, guests up every single week with my schedule, with their schedule. I already had to cancel and, and move around Ricky rocket the drummer from Poison, I already had to move him around a couple times, and I feel terrible about that. And it's just because I have a full-time job and people are busy. So um, please let me know your thoughts on this show, what you would like to see moving forward, um, with all that in mind, with what I just said in mind. Also, I think I'm ready to come back to YouTube. Um, a lot of things have been going on in my mind these last couple months. I got, a, I got a ton of really positive comments and some really supportive um, things from all of you guys. I really appreciate it from the episode 123, uh, how I became a YouTuber and why I left California. Um, that was kind of really just me just kind of sharing my heart, kind of getting it all out, a lot of built up um, stress and the things that I was dealing with over these last couple months. And to be honest, I've really become just super content with not being a YouTuber again. Um, I've really, uh, my needs are met with my job. I'm, I'm present with my family, but I love YouTube. I really, really love it. I loved doing it. And so I feel like I needed this break. I really, really, truly did. 
Um, being the host of Indie Mogul was such an honor and a, a privilege, and it just consumed my life. And and it was always about the next step, like getting more views, get, making more money, you know, working with bigger people. And I just got so wrapped up in that game that I feel like I needed to be ripped out of it and thrown back into a place that's familiar to me, Nashville, uh, and kind of be reminded of what's important in life. And that's some of the things I talked about in that episode. Um, so I really appreciate all the support and all the comments. A couple of you guys actually shared some really deep stories with me. Um, I'm not going to say your names, but you know who you are. And I really appreciate it. I want to give a special shout out to my buddy, Bobby, who I just met this weekend at a shoot. Uh, his Instagram is at Mr. Underscore Photography with an F. F-O-T-O. Griffey. Uh, incredible handle. Love it. Um, this guy, he's a photographer in Dallas and, uh, he does motorcycles and model shoots and stuff. Really cool stuff. Um, but he's a fan of the show, like a legit fan. Hi, Bobby, if you're listening. And, uh, we just had some great conversation. I got to know his story, got to hear his journey in photography and I shared mine as well. Um, but he just really encouraged me. And it was really odd for me to like meet somebody in person who actually listens to this show and who's actually watched my videos. Uh, and I think a lot of us can get wrapped up in social media and you see comments and you read things and it just doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know, it just, it's not the same when you're typing it towards somebody. And it's also not the same when you're reading it, when you're receiving it. And I've definitely received so much support from you guys and I really appreciate it. Um, but I'm looking forward to going back out um, to events and being a part of the community again because actually meeting Bobby, talking to him, and hearing him just encourage me to, you know, make another episode, get back on the horse, you know, start making content again, um, was just really encouraging. And I and thank you, Bobby, for kind of for saying that. So I have some ideas. Um, I will stick to tech and camera stuff, um, but I want to really focus on building a personality brand and just having you guys hang out and just have a good time. That may mean that I will do things that are completely unrelated to camera stuff like Tetris. I've been so obsessed with Tetris. I'm not even kidding. One of the things that I got in the last month is a classic NES. Maybe I could do a whole episode on this. Um, I bought the original NES Tetris game and I am officially obsessed with it. I've played a lot of other Tetris games uh, through emulation. I've played like the N64 version, the Game Boy versions. Um, I downloaded the iPhone apps. There's the official one, and then there's actually a new Apple Arcade version. And then my brothers let me borrow his Switch, and I got Tetris 99. I have Tetris connected on Xbox. And without a doubt, for some strange reason, I've literally played them all. The one that's the most fun and the one that is the most fulfilling to play is the NES version. And there's so many people that believe that, that there's actually a league called the Classic Tetris uh, World Championship. And they have a yearly uh, championship where people come together and they play NES Tetris. They literally play on old 80s you know, NESs plugged into CRT televisions. And you may have seen it on the internet. One of them kind of went viral a couple years ago. And uh, so 
I'm kind of playing and training to to go compete. So that that'll be part of my journey as well. Uh, it's related to tech. I've been nerding out with all the retro gaming stuff. I bought an OSSC and I'm you know upscaling it to my HDMI uh, TV and stuff. So really fun. Um, so yeah, I've, I'm excited for the future. Again, similar to uh, your feedback on the Golden Hour show, I would love your feedback on what you would love to see me do. I'm thinking music video parodies again, maybe one a month. I had such a blast doing that. Um, different challenges, games that I could play with my buddies, uh, Zach and Connor, who are here. Um, you know, obviously reviews of products that I'm interested in, but I don't want to be in that rat race of reviewing everything that comes out. I feel like a lot of my buddies have just gotten burned out from that. I don't want to like get wrapped up in that again. But, you know, those are the things that pay the bills sometimes. So I think there's creative and unique ways to, to play around with that. And then, yeah, I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on other tech as well, like Apple computers, iPhones, um, editing software, uh, other tech products and things that interest me, um, like retro gaming. So if you guys are interested in that, let me know. There is a link to my personal YouTube channel in this podcast and in all the podcasts. I usually include it. It's just youtube.com slash Dave Mays. I've got 6,000 subscribers and I haven't like posted anything in a long time on there. So thank you to those of you who have subscribed. Um, the only things that are public on there are just the music video parodies, which I reposted here. They all kind of originally lived on Kinotika, but when I left Kinotika, they allowed me to basically own these. So I've just reposted them here. So yeah, let me know your thoughts. Um, I'm excited for the next chapter. Um, there's only so much I can do being a full-time dad, husband, and, you know, employee, essentially. I'm working for my cousins. But um, I would love to get back into full-time YouTube again. So I think the journey is starting now. And um, I've needed these last seven months to figure it out. I I've needed this time to figure out that I am passionate about it. Even though I've been out of it for so long, I still love cameras. I still love talking about it. I mean, the first half of this podcast, that's all we talked about. So it, it truly is something I'm interested in. It is something that you guys, for some reason, continue to listen to me talk about. Um, and Tetris is something I've been really into. Too. I, I haven't stopped playing it for like the last two months. Um, anyways, I'm excited about the next step. Uh, I know I told you guys on the show that I was taking a step away from camera gear. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. It's just... a. I'm, it's camera gear entertainment I don't know uh, let me know your thoughts on all this tweet me at Dave Mays or Instagram DM me at Dave Mays underscore and then um, let me know what you're thinking about Golden Hour what you're thinking about this uh, next step in my YouTube career so anyways that's it for this episode once again I'm your host Dave Mays this is the Golden Hour podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. If you need any filters or camera accessories at all, go check them out at polarprofilters.com. We'll see you again next Tuesday because the Golden Hour Show is back in action, baby.
Let's go.